0: Thank you very much, Deputy Minister, for that only uh, insightful but dynamic uh, conversation um, and speech about how South Africa sees uh, what is going on in the world, but also its place uh, as well. You've touched on on many issues, and before I open up to the floor, you've touched on the 2063 African Union agenda, uh, you've touched on Mozambique, you've touched on the issue of DRC North Kivu, uh, and even gone as far as touching on the more recent aspects uh, to do with what's happening in Ukraine and between Russia. Now, I guess my, my first question really is really focused on giving uh, the South African vision, uh, not just how South Africa sees itself, but also uh, the continent, but also the, the the world itself, how can South Africa, with its bilateral partners, but also through the multilateral system that you've spoken about and you are um, you advocate for, uh, work towards achieving those goals, particularly the Nordic countries as well.
1: So I have an immediate right of reply. Yes, you <laughs>
0: before I open it up to the, the floor.
1: Yeah, let me let me just indicate, and I'm you know I'm happy that uh, my personal viewpoint around the Nordics in is a microcosm of our foreign policy uh, objectives. Uh, we 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 do regard, uh, you know, Norway in particular as an important um, uh, actor in terms of the broader peace and security architecture in the world. and And I phrase it because Norway has proven its consistency to be. Uh, firm on on principle of course uh, flexible on tactics um, and that's why when we speak about a an important conflict as it relates to the middle east peace process uh, and we speak about the challenges of between uh, palestine and 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 israel our immediate reference point is your oslo peace accord we We do regard that as the inception point of the resolution, of course, ladies and gentlemen everyone would 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 uh, appreciate that your Oslo peace accord uh, is a complete antithesis to your Abrams accord mm-hmm. so it's not a two it's completely two different languages we don't subscribe to South Africa uh on a the decision of the U.S. to advance the Abraham's uh, Accord, which we think, nigh uh, from cessation of of hostilities, we we value the the proposition of that Oslo have made, that Norway people have made, uh, for example, as a pension holder. Um, I I think uh, in as early as 1993. So, if we look at for example, what is taking place in South America um, and issues about the Bolivarian Republic of Venezuela, for example, where you have uh, uh, an elected president in the form of uh, President Maduro there, and you have a self-imposed president in the form of Cairo there, We, we do regard The current engagements, again, uh, engineered uh, by uh, Norway uh, to have a key value proposition to bring about the unity of the Venezuelan people. Uh, Once again, it is the international contact group. It's actually an antithesis to what the Norwegians are doing. Uh, because your Norwegian process is accepted by your groups that are discussing these matters, both from Kaido's part and from the part of uh, President Maduro. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and that's why I've said that you know the value proposition that Norway holds, holds for the rest of the world, including to Africa, is around. Uh, making sure that uh, you know, uh, post-conflict uh, peace-building peace processes, mediations in areas of uh, conflict, uh, we, we, we think there is a particular value to the rest of the world. Uh, for example, as we are speaking now, we know I think it's in Belarus, for example, with the current conflict, there is mediation and there is discussions that are taking place um, you know, and we, 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 as South Africa, of course, uh, have called for that type of negotiations by uh, credible st- uh, stakeholders uh, to 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 actually be side by side with the people, uh, uh, you know, of of Ukraine uh, at, and the rest of Europe to to bring about cessation of hostilities in the Black Sea. So. I think that that is in a nutshell, that you know, a high-level uh, summary that says w- what do we regard as the dividend from Nordics, uh, uh, from in particular, uh, you know, Oslo, from from Norway, in, in in relation to issues of peace and security in the rest of the world.
0: Thank you very much,
1: um, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to open
0: the the, the the session to the floor. Uh, so if you would like to ask the Deputy Minister a question. Please just raise your hand and uh, say who you are and obviously your affiliation, um, and then we'll take a few questions. Anyone? Lady at the back. Um,
2: Hello, my name is uh, Asha Ali. I am from NUPI. Uh, thank you for your insightful speech, uh, Deputy Minister. You've talked about a lot of the multilateral cooperation uh, with Nordic countries as it relates to peace and security. And I would like to know more about your experience from the as chairs, uh, as the chair of the AU. Uh, also, and also, how do you think with the challenges that the North, that African countries face today, how do you think the Nordic countries can best support these challenges? What are they and where do you see the cooperation with the Nordic countries in this in these challenges? Yeah.
1: Would you like to tackle that question? Yes, yes. Yeah. No, thanks, thanks. Yes, uh, I think yeah, the, look, our experience as a, as a chair of the African Union obviously unfortunately coincided. Look, in fact, uh, this year is the 20th anniversary of the uh, the African Union, since it has been founded in 2002 in, in Durban. Uh, obviously, it historically used to be known of, as the Organisation of African Unity (OAU), um, and we then converted it uh, uh, to the African to to to, to the African Union. For, for for a number of uh, important reasons. But I think the the first issue is that uh, if you look at the type of conflicts that are in the world um, and you look at the fact, the realization that many of those conflicts is in Africa, it just holds, uh, uh, you know, uh, in terms of normal reasoning that Africa should have a permanent seat in the UN Security Council. For example, as we speak, every, every second year there's an election of non-permanent members on the UN Security Council. Uh, for example, you have what we call the A3. Uh, you have Kenya, Gabon, Niger, that are currently in the UN Security Council. It, what it does, ladies and gentlemen, remember, the only permanent UN Security Council members is the P5 so their fortified hostilities and their very uh, you know historical disagreements on world peace and security architecture will remain there and then you have Norway for example is in the UN Security Council uh, and I like how the Nordics operate because it will be Norway now uh, in the next year, it will again be someone from, from the Nordics that we again will support in South Africa because of their value system and, and the mantra that they present. But what it means is that all these countries that all the time rotates, you presuppose that the unity amongst Nordic countries uh, is in existence as it relates to unity in the Latin America Unity in Caribbean, unity amongst uh, countries in the in the Middle East, uh, which represents that type of continental interest on the UN Security Council. It's not like that. Not all countries are agile and well organized like a more industrialized uh, bloc, such as such as the Nordics. That would be ideal. For example, it would be ideal if that in the A3 at all times. For example, there's a common position of the African agenda on the UN Security Council. But unfortunately, ladies and gentlemen, it's not like that. And that's why one of our experiences is that we we, we have managed to to have the UN Security Council not to unilaterally intervene in conflicts in Africa. Without consulting, uh, Mayor Ali, the African Union Peace and Security Council, for example, because we have said that look, you have your UN Security Council, which is the august body at the UN level, but if you have your regional and continental body, such as your African Union, there should be a conversation before interventions take place, and and I've raised very frankly issues what happened, for example, uh, as it relates to Libya, and and. The 1973 decision and the resolution have actually allowed Libya to still be in a place of uh, heightened instability and insecurity, as we're speaking about. So I think that was our biggest uh, uh, lesson through our chairpersonship that we have learned. The, the second issue, obviously, which South Africa have said we continue to converse, which was one of our priorities during our chairpersonship of the African Union, is what we call the financial and economic inclusion of African women. That should be the key issue. Uh, Financial and and economic inclusion, obviously as a subtext as it relates to, uh, to your security, is the role of women as part of your peace mediators, uh, your peace uh, guarantors uh, uh, you know, as part of your reconstruction and development uh, uh, process, post your your your, your conflict uh, uh, processes in Africa. So that that is one of the, the 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 priorities. The second issue that we are still seized with, and we 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 ordinarily have anticipated that 2022 after the COVID 19 pandemic. Uh, would be a, a you know present a dividend to the rest of the world, including into to Africa we had very high anticipations i don 't think any one of us have anticipated to have a a conflict such as the scale what is taking place uh, in the black Sea currently and i 'm saying so, ladies and gentlemen, because our economy obviously is developing economies uh, you know uh, and as a repository of your less developed uh, uh, country spectrum uh, in, in sub-Saharan Africa uh, have for example, if you look at what is happening in terms of your energy prices and you look at the issues about food security for example the, the thematic approach for the African Union this year, it's about the nutritional security and food security now this conflict that is taking place uh, you know, uh, obviously completely undermine that food security mantra because food prices, oil prices are skyrocketing. Who is most affected is not the elite in South Africa or in the less of Africa. It's the poorest of the poor uh, that that gets affected. So uh, I think that's why I've said that those are issues that we have identified during our chairpersonship. Uh, that we are continue to be seized with. And I think the last issue is what we call as it relates to what is the role, what should be the role between UNGA, your United Nations General Assembly, your African Union, and what we call RECS, your regional economic communities uh, in different parts of Africa. For example, where we are fr- where I'm from it's uh, a sadc your southern african development communities uh, which uh, have a what we call we even have an economic uh, regional uh, bodies called your south african customs union sacu that are supposed to then drive development that are then supposed to be the original body that must work with Regional bodies in East Africa, in West Africa, and in North Africa, because for us to be part still uh, uh, to be part of the biggest economies in Africa, we then identified and were the penholder of your African Continental Free Trade uh, uh, Agreement. It's uh, <clears throat> it's mimic on the good lessons uh, that we have taken from, for example, the EU. If you can recall, ladies and gentlemen, where there is a free trade uh, uh, area agreement, so we only managed to implement uh, the type of that type of agreement on the 1st of January uh, 2021, where there is now trade uh, flowing be- between African states, those that have actually deposited uh, their instruments. Uh, so we think it's one of the biggest value proposition, Ali, of our chairperson, where we have realized that, look, the more integrated Africa becomes in terms of its economic prosperity, uh, uh, the less conflicts will be fueled. Because I think I have demonstrated in the earlier discussions that men, much of the conflicts in Africa are fueled because of political, economic uh, consideration. Thank you very Thanks much.
0: Thank you very much. Please. this is my comment. Just Hi, um, my name is Dutuzi um, Lelibazis Asfiso I'm South African. I'm a former journalist, writer, and artist. And I had a pressing question. Um, And it's not necessarily long-term, but more of a short-term. And it was in a question of what is South Africa doing or planning to do about some of their citizens and students that are stuck in this conflict and are unable to get out, starving, and alleged killings of other Africans within this conflict. So I wanted to know what is South Africa's stance on that and if there's any help that is being sent to help other Africans and as well South Africans themselves.
1: All our students is accounted for in terms of what we have as South Africa. Um, we have been very hard, uh, for example, uh, with Russia in terms of humani- humanitarian corridors to ensure that. Uh, civilians uh, and those affected by uh, that conflict get safe passage uh, uh, out of Ukraine. So what I can tell the audience is that there has been uh, engagements in South Africa with the Russian embassy where we have actually uh, laid bare our requests and demands for safe passage uh, of humanitarian uh, uh, you know corridors um, and I think just yesterday it has been confirmed that there has been an agreement uh, obviously every f- twenty four hours things change. Mm. If you can recall there was three days back issues about uh, peace uh, ceasefire and then abruptly uh, f- less than twelve hours later it has been disturbed. so our students are accounted for um we are, we are working with Hungary, we are working with Poland as it relates to ensure that for example the the the, the visa waiver uh, you know students can stay in that countries for a specific period of times whilst our consular service then try to ensure that the sponsors of the students uh, we are able to get them back. For example, one of our, discussions with some of the students is some of them said no no look we can we stay here in in uh, Poland Up until the conflict is passed we said for heaven's sake this is a war <laughs> you must get back home uh, you know other issues of studies should be dealt with afterwards just get out of the conflict zone uh, because we we remember we, we everyone in the world don't uh, necessarily appreciate the extent uh, of possible hostilities that this conflict would bring about, for example. Uh, You know, if any country puts uh, its uh, weapons of deterrence on state of alert, everyone should be concerned, isn't it so? Everyone, because I think a mistake can happen uh, if, for example, because NATO with the Baltic States it's obviously having its aircraft to do patrolling. Now the, the, the patrolling happens adjacent to obviously Russian uh, airspace also. So any challenge can take place, and when a country has put its uh, its nuclear uh, you know, arsenal on, on a high state of alert, everyone should be concerned. So we, our students are accounted for you are correct, we have received the reports from our students about there were strange things that happened in, in Ukraine um, where in terms of the conflict which it should happen women should be prioritized in terms of any evacuation issues, women and children should be prioritized, but then you can't prioritize then after you have prioritized women and children says no white males first and then the rest afterwards. you know. And that is what we have experienced on the ground. And you have seen South Africa and in particular Nigeria has heightened our concerns around uh, that issues. And the Ukrainian authorities have actually confirmed that there was that very unfortunate uh, incident uh, that, that actually has happened. So our students are accounted for. We also know that what is the type of number of students from uh, number of uh, countries that is there to the extent about remember what we know is those that have recorded their presence in kiev mm-hmm. all right and and that should be a lesson to everyone else that if you visit a country for pleasure or for business record your entrance to the 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 embassies uh, uh, so in kiev what is accounted for is what we, we have through our missions and through other system missions of Africa.
0: Thank you very much. Um, Minister, I'm going to bring this session to an end because time is, time is not on our side. But just uh, my sort of last question, if I may, and, and abusing my, my sort of position here. Um, you've talked about the African Union. You've talked about uh, the need for uh, bringing... Uh, not only the African Union um, the architecture, uh, but also making sure that the, the African states have a position. Now, as a, as a Ghanaian uh, uh, who lives in the diaspora and looking at leaders like Kwame Nkuma, but also Nelson Mandela, what can South Africa do to not just reaffirm, but bring African leadership to the forefront? Because we are we're struggling with an issue here not across the continent. So my question really is about what can we do for the next generation of African leaders?
1: No, I think it's a, it's a, very, important, uh, it's a very important question. Look, it's all about, in Africa, is a, is a construction of what we call the democratic dividend. That should be the key issue. Remember, uh, democracy in, in this part of the world are taken for granted. Good governance in this part of the world are taken for granted. It's, it's a given. You don't necessarily have that elsewhere. Um, let, let's first be speaking about ourselves in South Africa. We, I think it was um, last year, because we are a constitutional democracy, uh, where you have a separation between uh, parliament the judiciary and government with the penholder being the judiciary. What it then means, ladies and gentlemen, if there's any mis-endeavours or uncertainty of decisions that gets taken in South Africa, the last arbiter and the final arbiter is the judiciary. So we, for example, had a last year a matter where uh, the former president of South Africa was then um, jailed, uh, and it then created what we call some upheaval. And as a government, we came under sketching attacks uh, from some minor sections of society. Uh, that Why are you not intervening? Now, we don't have a right to intervene, ladies and gentlemen, because... Nelson Mandela which is the fair forebear of our liberation struggle inscribed in the constitution the centrality and the the status of final arbiter of your judiciary in any conflict because in fact when himself, Oliver Tambo Walter Sassoulu when they as part of the negotiation team said why are you having a constitutional democracy and not, for example, a parliamentary one where your parliament is supreme to anyone else, he said, so that we can safeguard the value systems for which your freedom stra- stra- uh, fighters have fought for. And there must be always a reluctance, for example, to change the constitution and for any populist tendencies to emerge um, at the expense of the people. And that's why in South Africa, we had to say we are a rules-based country. Uh, when you are, or are in conflict of, with the law, there's not going to be any intervention from anyone. You should account, and that is what, it's one of the issues uh, that where we, we, we are quite firm. Now, you don't get that necessarily in all parts in Africa about the constitutional uh, democracy. You have seen, for example, with some unfortunate uh, issues about in, in Mali, uh, in Guinea, you, you know, where you have uh, the temptation of your military uh, uh, rulers that assume responsibility of elected leadership. It, it's, it's conduct that we will continue to frown upon a South Africa and we, we, we were fortunate that we have harvested that type of concern through the African Union to such an extent that uh, when the uh, 35th uh, Ordinary Assembly of the African Union convened now in February of this year and others uh, in Ethiopia they have actually engaged on certain reprimands um, uh, of some of those uh, military uh, dictatorship. And that, that is a, a, a new approach. The second issue that we are looking at, and will continue to work with countries of the North, such as Nordic, is to build institutions of good governance. For example, one of the issues that I can just, you know, have the privilege to take the audience into confidence today, if a president in South Africa doesn't get re elected, they go into um, either voluntary or involuntary retirement, all right, um, and they keep then, you know, most of the the uh, benefits and privileges as it relates to head of state. Uh, And that, ladies and gentlemen, I think it's one of the issues that we will continue to work with countries of Nordic. You don't have that type of decisions elsewhere in Africa. As a result, you will have head of states that has been heads of states for three decades, for 30 years. Because in some of those countries, once you are no more president, you are no more president. There is no tools of trade, there's no benefits that you continue to live with. We think it's one of the issues in terms of you know, the construct of governance and democratic institutions in Africa that will continue to work with Norway and the Nordics in particular along. Yeah. Thank you very much, Deputy Thanks. Minister.
0: Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we've come to the end of this session. Um, can you uh, join me in thanking uh, Deputy Minister for being here today? And- essa
2: um. Your Excellency, Deputy Minister Bottas, uh, Ambassadors, ladies and gentlemen, all protocol observed. Um, first of all, I would like to thank Deputy Minister Bottas for a very comprehensive overview of uh, South African foreign policy and, and key priorities. I think uh, when we are here today, and um, was also evident in the introduction, um, And I know some of you have personal experience from joining the South African liberation movements in in their struggle, and uh, you would know much more about this issue than uh, me. But I think we we can uh, take a brief tour back in history, and uh, if we look at our own difficult period during the Second World War when we were occupied by Germany, uh, we came out of that uh, Second World War with a very clear idea that this should never happen again. We should remain an independent country, and we should uh, always try to promote principles of human rights and international order. And this was not evident that uh, the countries that came out of Second World War would take that position. Uh, There were some countries that um, went back to their colonial uh, rule in, um, in, for example, Africa. So, But I think this background we had from the Second World War, that was one important factor in steering us toward uh, supporting African liberation movements and ANC pretty early. Um, and actually, the, the Peace Prize in 1962, Albert Lutuli is, uh, is a very evident example of that. Um, and it was... Uh, something that uh, many people in Norway felt. Uh, There was uh, political parties, trade unions, churches, civil society in general, and the government, was just felt that uh, colonialism and apartheid were basically unjust, just as the German occupation of Norway was unjust. So there was kind of a solid bedrock of support for the, the policy in support of liberation movements. Uh, and I think uh, me and, and most Norwegians, I think all Norwegians, we are very proud that we belong to a nation that uh, awarded the Nobel Peace Prize to uh, the South African heroes mentioned. Um, of course, the Nobel um, Peace Prize is awarded independently of the government, but uh, maybe… Uh, I can just take a, a little short detour and uh, did we forget Oliver Tambo? <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I'm sure somebody has uh, the good explanation here, but uh, but <laughs> but again, you know, when when um, uh, for, um, uh, Archbishop Desmond Tutu, the arch, uh, died uh, just in December this year, I think we were all reminded, all Norwegians, and actually all citizens all over the world, were reminded about the power of these uh, heroes from the struggle in, in South Africa. It was such an outpour of grief in the whole of Norwegian society, and it was everywhere, not only Norway, it was all over the world. So uh, you have uh, really produced some, some giant heroes uh, that uh, you can be really proud of in South Africa. And of course this, uh, this um, struggle to uh, get rid of apartheid uh, created a strong platform, and. Uh, you know, some of you in the room were, were part of that uh, platform that was created building, on a, uh, building a future relationship with a South African free and independent nation uh, focused on, on international order and human rights and democratic uh, developments. And so today there is a very broad and um, deep uh, cooperation with uh, South Africa and uh, we are very proud of that cooperation. Uh, We share um, basic ideas about the world order that is based on equality and respect for international law, uh, and the importance of achieving more equitable distribution of resources in the world. We we work together on peace and reconciliation, women, peace and security, climate, environmental issues, and business and economy, of course. Uh, And just one concrete example now: that, um, as the deputy minister said, we are in the UN Security Council. We are always uh, are looking for. Um, African voices and African views on current conflicts. So we have been uh, in, uh, in touch with the South African embassy in Bangui several times because in Central African Republic we have no embassy and we don't have much knowledge of the place. So then uh, you know, it's great to turn to friends like South Africa and, and get your input before we, we, we give our interventions in uh, New York. Uh, and I think also, you know, uh, some of the big issues we are in, in, uh, in agreement, we, Norway and the Nordic countries uh, support permanent representation of Africa and the UN Security Council, of course. And um, we are uh, looking forward to, to uh, continue that, because it's not only about uh, the African voice, it's also about the legitimacy of the whole uh, UN-led international order. So it is in our own interest that uh, Africa is uh, better represented in the UN Security Council because we believe in an international order that is regulated and representative and has legitimacy. Um, And then uh, South Africa, you know, you weigh in on many regional and global trends uh, and you weigh in on many big issues like you have just uh, done today, Minister, and this uh, actually takes me back to where I started. Uh, As Europe, again, are experiencing aggression and violence not seen since the 1930s, we look to countries like South Africa to help safeguard international law and a UN-led international order. So again, thank you very much, Deputy Minister, and thank you, everyone.